0: There you go. What up, suckers? <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah. Good morning,
1: gentlemen. And uh welcome to another edition of the real estate radio hour.
2: We have to give them a we have to let people know that uh we are recording this to be live tomorrow. Just was saying it. We but I, I'm going to uh Andy's homeland, flying to Andy's homeland to go uh get Nick's haircut for him.
1: Well,
2: that, that's a good yeah. trip. <laughs> yeah. In the, last night, Andy, I was yeah. getting set up, and I was going to go on Condor Airlines. And I and it, I was watching reviews and looking at them, and I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, this place is, I'm afraid I'm not even going to get there, and it's going to be late. And then so I go in to check in, and I'm like, hour later, I still can't get anywhere with it. I said, screw it, done. I went and built, booked the flight on Delta instead. Cost yeah. me a bunch more money, but I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to, I'm not messing with. Sit, being, sit in the airport I mean,
1: in Amsterdam for three days waiting for your connection flight.
2: Frankfurt, Germany, I would have been. Now I'm going through Amsterdam. So Yeah.
0: Rookie, rookie traveler. Yeah. So. Well,
1: that's Easy. cool. So uh, you, I assume you're going to be bringing home uh, from Poland a bunch of souvenirs.
2: I don't know. I might have to get a new suitcase. Do you want something?
1: Bring bring a half empty suitcase and bring it home full, brother. <laughs> okay. I'll sport anything you, as long as it's a three X. I'll, uh, I'll sport anything you buy. Okay.
0: You might get stuff like this. This is kind of a Polish Easter egg, you know, cute little thing.
1: Yeah, that's what I was. I was not thinking about that. No. Um, <laughs> I I would rather have a nice T-shirt that says like Polish Power or something innovative. <laughs> something crazy especially all if right. it's written in polish so that you can't even understand what it says <laughs>
2: no no problem i'll I'll find you something all right we've got a uh... hey, before we get this thing started though let's
0: do our intro quick
2: You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Now they know who they're talking to. That's right. That little meme where you're kind of winking. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, something you, uh, so you're something else. So
1: you, so you are at heading off overseas, watch a little football.
2: Yeah, we're gonna get uh, well one game in, and then we're uh, gonna do some traveling around Poland. I gotta, I'll be oh. gone until the following Friday, so we're gonna try to do something live from. Oh, you don't? Yeah, because I don't leave till Friday, so we're gonna try to do something live from Poland next week.
1: And so I, I think that'll be a blast.
2: Yeah. That'll be good. So hopefully this market, because it is changing all the time. Um, it's it's crazy that uh hopefully it uh won't be something I totally don't recognize when I get back.
1: Because it, 30, it 40 is. days on market, uh um, interest rates are 20 percent. You know, I know, yeah. I, you know what though, after the last couple of years, to be honest, would anything really, really shock you? No. no. I don't think so either. No,
2: not at all. Not at all. Uh, no
1: houses <laughs> sold last week across the country. Okay, why? Um, you know,
2: <laughs> you know, and I'm kind of excited because I think when you when you do your house the right way, it's gonna sell. It's gonna create activity. It's gonna get multiple offers. You're still gonna do good. Um, but it's some of these houses that you weren't, it didn't do anything, and you just feel like, my gosh there's no other choice. I got to grab this and, Oh, geez, I'm competing against 10 other people. And, and now I just got to try to get more and more. Now there's a lot of price segments that are still like that. Uh, but I think that's, that that's going to change and that's going to get us back to a, a better time. I really think so. You know, you know, and you know I, I don't going.
1: disagree. I don't disagree at all. I think that, you know, like last week I had, uh, three properties come on the market. So it was three up and three down. Um, they, they were not selling like they used to sell in hours. They started selling in days. Um, and we were getting offers, not like 20 offers, but you're getting two, three offers. So things are still selling, but it's, it's what I, you can feel it, Chris. You're going from a high demand, crazy, intense market to a little more take a breath, think about it overnight, write your offer the next morning, kind of a market. And not that I suggest that for buyers because buyers always, time is of the essence, but um, that's what I'm seeing, the behaviors of the people that are, you know, they still want to buy a house. And in, I always say this, Chris, remember this, somebody today is having the best day of their life and, and they've never had an opportunity to buy a house before. Now they're entering the housing market and they've heard that there's, you know, great things going on and, you know, they don't know any different. They don't know 3% quoted rates. They only know five and a half or five and a quarter, right? So it's like that consumer coming in and in most of our careers, I bet you, our average interest rate was probably seven or eight percent most of our careers. So, in our old man perspective, we're still seeing record low interest rates. I mean, this is still on the on the low side of history. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that are acting like this is just a horrible, you know, what's going on. And it's it. I'll tell you guys, it's got to go back to where. Think about this: if you had the money sitting there, would you honestly lend somebody that amount of money on that investment? And if you say, I don't know, I wouldn't do it for two percent. Well, nobody else wants to either. So it's like with the risk and reward, if you get to a point where you have a seven or an 8% interest rate, and now people start going, okay, you got to pay attention, it's a fair return. But on the other side, if you don't like it, save your money, pay cash, or put more money down or leverage yourself, buy a couple of properties, gain the equity on a couple of properties, sell them all and then pay cash for one. I mean, there's lots of ways. I mean, and, and I say that from a very confident, you know, I know what I'm doing perspective, but um easier said than done. I get it. But
2: yeah, and I don't think there's a lot of people that even really know what the difference between 3% and 5% means. They just right. look at what the payment is. Uh, that's what people are doing. And that's like, well, I wanna get my payment better. I'm gonna put a little more money down. <laughs> I mean, I want my payment better. I'm gonna buy a little less house. So that's yep. a lot of people, you know, you think about these interest rates, it's it's really you about You make an payment. interesting
1: point, Chris. So when we're pricing out houses right now, should we be telling them, you know, like for an example, you know, do you look at the average, you know, like they call it attainable housing where they say, here's the average income for this area. And then based on current interest rates, here's the average payment that would be conforming within the, you know, 20% of debt to income or 30% of debt to income. So this is where pricing will sell in this area. It's interesting, like you say, you live in the payment, not the price. So, you know, if you live there five years, you're making that payment every month, you don't know what really the big number is, you know, until you, unless you sell at a loss, then, then you know, but.
2: It's very true. So the market is still going well, um, yeah. but it's just, not, it's just not happening in hours. It's taking days instead. We're not months, which is great. Uh, I was talking to, well, Cody down in uh, Arizona, yeah. and uh, it, it's really kind of fun talking to him. And uh, I said, give Andy a call too, because he's more than happy to help out uh, with kind of some thoughts and some marketing things. But one of the things he was yeah. doing was uh, open houses and trying to get in with other agents and try to do higher-end open houses. And yep asked me kind of what I would want from another agent coming to me and saying, hey, I'd want to do an open house at your place. So we talked about that. But what was interesting was he said that their inventory the last month was 8,000. Now it's 12,000. Yep. Pending sales are down 2,000.
1: I was going to say, I've seen a little... little some of those people that are thinking about selling are panicking because again, the fear over facts, right? So they fear that the market's going to fall. So they want to sell quick before it falls. And in reality, it's not falling at all. It's actually staying very stable. And yeah. and it's just, it's a matter of the, the like, it, it, we use the old analogy. You and I like to use it where you're driving through North Dakota going 80 miles an hour. And then you hit the Minnesota border and you got to slow it down to 70 and it feels like you're yeah. walking. And yeah. And that's kind of what's happening, guys. It's not that, traffic isn't still moving or, or, or houses aren't selling. It's just that it's something point. new.
2: Good point. Good point. Well, what what else are we doing here today, little Nicholas?
0: We got a long uh, social media react segment here, so strap oh, oh, in. I think we got about seven videos for you guys to react to. Oh,
2: boy. Oh, boy. I no.
0: can
1: keep a secret cat. Got my your- I couldn't read that. Part. I can keep a secret. You got my mind on
2: your- uh, basically, just telling us that, uh, you know, get ready because once uh, the market shifts, you got to be in position to be able to grab some of that stuff and uh, get wealth. And that's obviously very true. <laughs> you want to try to buy at the low, but nobody knows what the low is. You know, try to get your, your financing in line, get a good relationship with either a lender or a bank and, yeah. uh, and be ready. Be ready to attack. Well, when people put that do.
1: propaganda out there, Chris, I'd like to also see them uh, showing us how historically the cash position on most of these properties is compared to today. There's just so much equity in the market. There, there just is. And there's there, there's very, very few buyers that don't have the lowest payments in history. And there's yeah. very few people that don't have a ton of equity in their properties. So who's going to dump their, it's like saying you've got a, a, you know, a stock or another investment, you want a brand new vehicle right now. And you're just, there's a lot of vehicles on the markets. So you're going to start selling them for half price. No, you're not. You still need a right. place to live. You still need a place that, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I just don't see it. I think if anything, the market's going to get stale and we're going to see markets kind of slow way down and feel like it's dead, even though it's not. Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. I don't think there's a big correction coming. No, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm right.
2: Yes, <laughs> me
1: too. We can't stop staring at those ocean. It's a perfect unit, no filter. We'll just make 'em drop dead to a killer, shall we? Nice kitchen.
2: Yeah. Obviously the kitchen is uh the biggest uh factor, I think, other than location. Uh, in a house and maybe, maybe the style that you want, you know, so if yep. you want a main floor bedroom, you need that. But I think the kitchen is the biggest seller and the thing that you want to spend your most money on. So a remodeler adding on like that mm-hmm. is a good thing.
1: Hey, I was, uh, I was out uh, showing houses in uh, Plymouth yesterday and, and North uh, South Maple Grove, and we were showing townhouses. And this is interesting, Chris, you'll find this townhouses that are 500,000 460 480 you know 510 and what was interesting was these are the same townhouses that we were showing you know i don't know how many years ago that were 260 230 very consistently in the same areas right yeah so they have doubled in value probably in the last you know seven years but this new inventory the difference was they're putting kitchens like we just saw in these townhouses which they never used to do They used to always cheap out on everything in the whole house now they're leaving the upstairs kind of the way they used to be, you know, still using fiberglass tubs and fiberglass showers, no tile, all vinyl. But then on the main floor, they're putting in these blow-your-mind, amazing, cool kitchens with cool appliances, and people are scooping them up. And it, it's I, I like I, I can't believe that I sound like an old man. I can't believe people are paying half million dollars for you know a townhouse, you know, but that seems to be worth the trend, you know, low maintenance, no maintenance yeah nice kitchens nice house you know what's up guys it's your favorite real estate investor Brian Davila and I'm gonna teach you how to make more profits on your flips so first of all I always try to add a bedroom if possible so there was an office right there and now I'm making it a bedroom second tip is I always use LVP flooring it's cheap it's durable but it looks really nice Third tip is bring on a designer, bring on someone that specializes in making things look beautiful. It's not my strength, so it's better to hire someone. Hope that helped you guys. Peace.
2: <laughs> that was a an dandy move right there. Peace. I like yeah. the idea of adding a bedroom. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, the other thing is, is you should make sure of whatever city you're in, that deem whatever that city deems as a bedroom is what you can put on the MLS. So if you, um, like, say in Prior like you don't have to have a closet to have it be a bedroom. So you right. can't it as a bedroom. And there's some cities that say, hey, you have to have a closet. Most of them say you have to have a door. You have to have 72 square feet. You have to have an egress window. And that the ceiling height's got to be at least seven feet. So, um, but then some have a closet and some don't. We just ran into one in Minneapolis, Andy. And I, I can't believe, maybe I just let a, go but you know how they have the bedrooms on the main floor and then they had that uh, back staircase which went up to the half story They yep. another bedroom through there so you're going through yep. a bedroom to get to another bedroom
1: well you yep. can't count that as a bedroom correct and so that's uh that's i'm a- listing one in saint paul we have that challenge where they're like yeah but our littlest one sleeps in there we sleep in here and i go i totally get it but it's technically one bedroom and
2: us as agents, we have to we have to get that clarification from the city, and otherwise we're misrepresenting what that listing is. But in some cases, that can really hurt you. From us, we're going from a three bedroom to a two bedroom, and we just had the same thing we did in Richfield, and uh, it just took a little longer time to be able to get it sold. And it, they took two bedrooms and made it into one. And there's an mm-hmm. easy area to be able to add one in the basement, but we couldn't. We had to put two bedrooms, and so.
1: I might, uh, I might have a nice flip opportunity for the people uh, watching. Now, it's not my commercial yet, but I do have one in, in St. Paul in the neighborhood. Um, we're going to probably list this one in the 165 range, and it does need some windows and a few things like that. Um, but the upside of that neighborhood is twice that. So um, reach out to us if you want, if you're looking for a flip opportunity. 165? Yeah, double lot. Yep. It's got cracked stucco on the outside. It needs some windows. It's, you know, um, a property where the basements, you know, your typical six foot high basement. Um, but there, there is potential there. There is potential to add. Um, and, and then it's a double lot. So if somebody wanted to build a big, beautiful garage and connect it to the house or whatever. And, and what's cool about that is that it's, um, it's in that it's called Beaver Lake. It's kind of South of like Maplewood on the East, East, East side of it. And it, um, neat neat little area yeah we're gonna put that one on the market here pretty
2: quick we had a listed over there that it went crazy i mean a lot of you'll have a you'll that's one that'll get a million showings
1: yeah yeah it will here's how i make over a hundred thousand dollars every single month at 24 years old no this is not a sales pitch and yes you can do this too it's a 100 percent free I utilize a strategy in real estate called the double dip where I'm able to represent myself as the buyer's agent and get a commission and get an assignment fee as the investor on the same transaction. We do this over 20 times a month. If you're trying to learn more about how to do this too, follow me or don't. I'm good with whatever.
2: <laughs> that's called oh. That's called wholesaling. That's what that's called. Yeah. And uh, the,
1: the young Chris Rooney. Yeah,
2: no. Follow me if you want. I don't care yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah like I did kind of like that part. yeah, but well I mean
1: think, it just it makes a point. you know I'm not for everybody right right
2: and I, I think that's important. I think that's important for everyone, especially realtors to learn too. Every client's not for you because ultimately, I mean it's, everyone thinks, oh this real estate's so simple and it's no big deal and you just sell it and you're done. That's not true. I mean mm-hmm. our commitment once we go with a client, our commitment to you is for life. In, in our situation, it's for life. And it really is because we have a, a a duty to be able to protect your interest all the way through. It survives closing and moves on from that. And what I mean by that is all a sudden, so I'll sell a house to someone. And then three years later, I'll list somebody else's house. And now this buyer, this buyer I had that bought that house hates me, doesn't want to use me. They're using their sister. They come over and look at my listing. I can't say anything about that buyer that I know. So if I knew that, you know something that they had told me before that they just buy houses to try to get out of them. I can't, I can't tell my new client that because I, I have a duty to that client to not do that. So it's it's a it's a good thing to work with who you like. He said to them forever. What's
1: that? Um, yeah, well, you're right, and I think that the you know what's interesting is when you get into the wholesale market you'll find a lot of those people are contractors and they're buying properties representing themselves. And because as a licensed real estate agent, you do have a fiduciary responsibility that you cannot waiver. So I hope all of those guys that are doing wholesale let people know that, Hey, I am basically buying your house at a profit below market value and basic, I hate the word you're you're taking advantage of. They used to call that equity stripping Chris um, where people would come in and buy a house and sell it to somebody else. Take the, the seller's equity away. It used to be illegal. Um, now it's a new innovative way to sell houses at 24.
2: Yeah. And here's the thing. I mean, what that person's doing, you heard him say he does it 20 times a month. So that's and he makes a hundred thousand. That's five thousand dollars per transaction he's making. And so it's that's a heavy, heavy burden and the other part is, is that you have to go knock on a heck of a lot of doors in which to be able to get those opportunities. You might be making a hundred thousand, but you're probably paying at least fifty of it out to make these. Well, opportunities I think a lot of those happen.
1: companies too, Chris. The, the, you know, you name the, um the, what is that one? The Road. They do that. There's, uh there's a bunch of wholesalers at Homestead you know, Road. Yeah, we pay cash for houses. The, um all those kind of companies that are out there. What they're doing is they're just. Basically, buying it cheap enough from you to squeeze out a profit on the top to sell it to the market where they find somebody um, that's willing to buy it to fix it up or do the improvements or whatever. Mm-hmm. Generally, they're not, you know, like when he's saying he's buying and getting a finder fee. Unless unless somebody's foolish in today's market and selling really cheap, it's generally it's a fixer-upper opportunity where they see the equity if they fix it up.
2: Yeah. There's, there's ways to make money in all this stuff.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Totally. <music>
2: I don't know. I don't know about you, but I always have a hard time when they misspell things. At the end, they spelled flooring f o o r i n g, and it just throws me off. But anyways, um, what I got from that one, that house completely turned into kind of a modern farmhouse look by painting that brick. I mean, that went from a, a Tudor type style to a 100% um, modern place by just the color of the brick and changed it. And I'll tell you, the other thing is, is, is doing things when you you're, you're trying to separate yourself, the sidewalk that they did and almost made those paver looking things. I mean, are super cool. And it stands out and it went perfectly. I mean, how they used that together. I think it was perfect.
1: I, I, I only would say that's a, a real Southern thing because the, in Minnesota, that wouldn't be as much fun to shovel, but But yeah, yeah, I agree, it looks cool. Every real estate agent should be doing business as an LLC. You should have your own LLC as a real estate agent because there's a ton of liability that can come with being an agent. And there's a ton of tax benefits for having your own business. Most agents are actually doing business in their own name. So what happens then if you're doing an open house and someone shows up to the open house, they slip and fall on the front steps. Well, they're going to sue the property owner. They're probably going to sue you. They're going to sue anyone they can. And if you don't have any protection, if you don't have a company to protect you, you're screwed. Most agents will say, well, I have E&O insurance. E&O insurance protects you during a transaction. It's errors and emissions insurance. If you have an error or you omit something within a transaction. Outside of a transaction, you're not insured. So the easiest thing to do is to have an LLC and you get a ton of tax benefits that come with it. I've had accounting advice. I hope he's an accountant. <laughs> I've
2: had one for uh, years. Yeah. You also got to make sure that you you do your stuff through the LLC. If it's just a front, um, it, you could get nailed. You could have this LLC pay for tax returns and do all that, and then still
1: not have it cover you, unless everything is done through that LLC. There, there's a lot of companies that do that, Chris. Where they have mm-hmm. shell. They call them shell companies, where they'll have their real estate company and all it is is a marketing entity that you know is insured and then they actually have commissions being paid back to their their main company um and and so it's it, you you can set it up where you have no assets in the shell so if that shell gets sued you know your real estate end but maybe that's separate from your rental properties separate from your you know apartment building you own or whatever it is um it's it's smart i mean you and i have also adventured into where we've got different business relationships, where we've had LLCs, and it's just—it's just smart to be able to keep the uh, that identity on its own. And then, if there's ever an issue or challenge or a, a God forbid, a, a lawsuit or a, a situation like that, you can usually protect your own assets. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing that he keyed in on, and I'm not an accountant, and I'm not supposed to give accounting advice, but the tax benefits that are there—you know, the write-offs, the the you know the. And real estate agents are treated differently than the rest of the crowd when it comes to buying investment properties and buying whatever. I mean, the the pass through income versus capital gains um, on real estate are, are pretty fantastic. And I suggest you talk to an accountant about it. And and it, it definitely is worth you know wandering into.
2: It's not what you make; it's it's what you keep. Yeah. True.
1: All right, we got a 30-second showing. Nice
0: closet. Another closet? Yeah, I like it. The gas bedroom. Oh, yeah, I really like it. The gas bathroom. Oh, yeah, I like this. And here you have your updated kitchen. Yeah, it's beautiful. This makes for a great office space. And here you have a beautiful fireplace
1: and a very spacious labor room. Yeah, I like it. And this is the master bedroom. Nice fan. You hear you have a brand new washer and dryer? Oh, yeah,
0: it's nice. So what do you think? I'm definitely interested in Great, what would you offer?
2: Oh my God! That was great. That was <laughs> the best we've seen in a while. Isn't that so true? And then you're when they didn't allow overlapping showings. You're sitting right at the door. Hey, hey, you're it's time's up. You know you got to get out so I can get in because the next person's right behind you too. Horrible.
1: <laughs> but they yeah literally- the, the covid the covid days right. I don't think a lot of people that are that are watching this understood that that's how they were doing it. They were so as a seller they were setting people up where they'd give appointments windows. And they weren't letting windows overlap because of, of COVID concerns or, you know, whatever. And and so there, there are windows. And then there was, but what's, Chris, I don't know if you, your thoughts on this, but what I always found interesting was when I was trying to book a showing and they had those appointment windows, you technically can see how many showings they have. I mean, if you really think about it. So I can go in there and say, God, they've only got three showings. Let's go write them a low offer. Or, oh my God, they got 300 showings and we better put our best game forward on this one. So I I really I'll be honest with you. In my opinion, you are putting your client at a disadvantage by having appointment windows. Um, in my opinion, because you're divulging information that may be against their negotiating and power. And and I just I, am glad it's I'm glad it's the in our biggest, past.
2: Yeah, the biggest thing about negotiations is motivation and uh, competition. And if you know there's no competition.
1: You're And you and I both know this. So you go on book a showing um, or showing time or whatever you use. And then there's a whole grid of the windows of the times you can select that are available. And you can see which ones are full and which ones are not. And they're only half hour showings. uh. So you can see, like, it, literally, it's that easy to visualize. Well, and, and I don't think a lot of agents were thinking about that at first. They were thinking of it as a convenience thing. And then I'm looking at it going, dude, we can totally negotiate with these people. There's no showings, you know.
2: Yeah, I caught someone I caught someone on it. It's kind of interesting. So you could look at this the opposite way too, that an agent could set up showings for himself, like 10 of them to show that there's a bunch of people showing it. And- the smart uh, agent probably would. Yeah, well, and, yeah. And I ended up doing that because I'm like, hey, I can't, there's no way we can do it. I was trying to get it this, this evening, but we can't do it. And he goes, mm-hmm. oh, let me see if I can uh, talk to them and get that one switched out. And then it was like, all of a sudden, boom, yeah, no problem. Go ahead, we'll get we'll get rid of that. They said there, that there up was,
1: that I way. believe, I believe that was happening quite a bit on the very beginning of it, saying, like, you know, like the listing agent would reserve most of the first day so that they could literally limit the first day of marketing for themselves, which is totally against the rules. And but also in the first day's book solid before they even put it on the market. Weird. Yeah, craziness. People are on you now. Crazy. Crazy.
0: Hi, guys. We're going to see how well you Minnesota experts know Minnesota. So oh, no. we're going to do a little pop quiz here. Okay. This quiz
1: make us look bad.
0: Andy, you won last time, Andy. I need to come back. I got to win.
1: Yeah, the worst of the horrible. I mean, we both.
0: <laughs> yeah, we weren't good. Cut. It starts off easy, but, okay, Ooh. who wants to go first? Me. No, me. okay, well, hey, what? Me. Andy's going first. Give him the easy one. St. Paul,
1: Andy. final answer.
0: Got. Paul,
2: good job oh Oh, no yes okay I'll look it up on Google
0: Evelyn I know all this I mean we know this stuff what city was named Outdoors Magazine City of the Year in
1: 2014 ooh I'm gonna guess Andy you better know this I don't Brainerd? I don't know, Chris, honestly. Yeah,
2: that's what I would go with. I
1: think I would
2: have gone with Brainerd. Brainerd? I'd go with Duluth. All
0: right. I'm looking it up right now because I guess we have to sign in our account. It was Minnesota. What? Okay. There, it Duluth. Duluth voted outside magazine's best outdoors town in Minnesota. Oh, it was
2: this in Minnesota? All right.
0: No, it wasn't just Minnesota. My bad. It was the whole outdoor magazine city everywhere. Okay. okay. I know this what one. Was childhood Judy okay?
2: I'm going with Hibbing. Nope. Nope. What is that? Grand it?
1: Rapids.
2: Grand Rapids.
0: You're right. Freaking Andy. The mascot of what high school is the Flyers in honor of the famed pilot, Charles Lindbergh? I know this This one. I do not. Little Falls. Yeah. Music legend Bob Dylan graduated from what high school?
1: Is it Hibbing?
0: I I thought it was Minneapolis North.
1: No. Who's up north?
0: Hibbing High School. What is it, Hibbing? Yep, Hibbing.
1: Nice. Andy,
0: wow. Rochester. Yeah, Rochester, Mayo Clinic. What is the largest city in Minnesota with over 420,000 residents? Oh, Minneapolis. Yeah. Is that
1: all that's there? I thought it was more. That's in the city proper though. Like that actual city, city, not the suburbs. Right. right.
0: Okay. Hey, now I got this next one. So this next one is going to, let's see if you guys agree with this this quiz thing, it shows you what city you should best live in, in Minnesota, depending on your answers. Okay. Hold on. So
2: Hold on a minute though. We'd like congratulations to Andy and I together. We were perfect.
0: You guys know Minnesota.
1: You're the experts. <laughs> you betcha we do. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, betcha. All
0: right. What city is best for you? So hey, how about we do Chris, you go first and then we'll do Andy does it again.
2: Okay, so where would you rather have a picnic? At a park, out in the woods, my own backyard, or a picnic? You mean outside? No, thank you. I'd rather spend the evening. I would say the local, my backyard. My own backyard. So this is me again. If you could travel through time, which ancient civilization would you most like to visit? Ooh, Egypt, Greece, Roman Empire, the Aztecs. Wow. Wow. I think uh the Roman Empire.
0: Good decision. When was the last time you worked out? <laughs> <laughs> um uh I can't D. D. We'll go that one. What What do you think is the most important quality in a friend? Loyalty. Would you rather bake or cook? Cook. Do you enjoy going to concerts? Uh, Yes, I do. I love music or it can be fun. It can be fun. Yeah. You think it's more important to remember the past, live the moment or plan for the future? Live in the moment.
2: Now ask me if I do that. That's the At the thing. shops
0: and restaurants you visit regularly, do you do the employees there often recognize you? Uh, yes, several of them know me by name. When a song starts to play that you know, do you sing along? Stop yes. and listen. Ignore it. Sing along. I. You belong in Minneapolis.
2: Uh, let's wow. redo that. Redo that one. <laughs> There's not a chance I'm going to move to Minneapolis. Wait, wait, wait. Look
1: at that. what it also had, the spread on the bottom. Minneapolis, St. Paul. St. Paul's number two. I don't mind St. Paul. I mean, weird. Look at the, the results are higher for Yeah. St. Paul. Oh, yeah. Interesting.
2: Oh, overall public score. This is where it's saying most people would go to. And
1: then Rochester or Watson, Minnesota. Where? Watson, like down south?
2: Watson as in... Probably that's where you want to hide.
1: Huh.
2: What do you, th- you probably would have, you weren't too far off, were you, Andy?
1: I was almost identical with you. I, you? I'm going right down the list. Yeah,
2: yeah I would have not- liked Minneapolis, but I don't know. I'm, I'm turned off by them because of their, their rental policies. <laughs> All
0: right, we'll get in some, uh, some memes, can I- memes. Memes. Okay. Maybe.
2: When you first get licensed and start wearing your suit and name tag to the grocery store. That's uh, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Did you do that? And what did you do when you first got licensed? I mean, I, that was such an exciting time. And then it just was a boom. you hit the, hit the freaking rocks. You, because you, you uh, I nothing. think you
1: do feel that sense of I'm doing something nobody else is doing. And then you realize everybody's doing it. And then you go, okay. Oh boy, I better figure out what my niche is. Did you? How long did it take you to sell a house? Right away. No, and I, I don't mean that from a from a cocky sales guy perspective. I was uh, helping my parents with um, with lot sales before I was licensed. I was actually a model home greeter, and um, I, sat, I had a full time job selling. And then I would go sit on weekends out there trying to make a little money. And, um, uh, so I was taking lot reservations and doing, so I kind of jumped into it when I got licensed, I already had deals in the pipeline, okay. but I don't six, know. I remember how many weekends it took me to get a lot hold, though. I think it was pretty quick.
2: Six months for me.
1: Yeah. That's pretty normal
2: to get my first sale. Yeah. And I was, my family was in it. You know, my mom and dad were both realtors, just like yours. And, yeah. uh, and for that six months, I thought I was going to be in it and like, this is going to be so simple and whack. Yeah. Whack, whack, whack. So
1: yeah. Yep. Yeah, that happens. That uh and then you get that consistency going. I think that the the thing is is that I with a lot of real estate agents, I think we all just try to find our first um you know uh stream, if you will, of customers that come to us. And what is that? Is that just the you know, your your grandma, your grandpa, your cousin, your uncle that would support you anyway, or is it you know, some actual like new neighborhood, new business that is genuine and you know, and uh I don't know, you know what I'm saying? It's like there's different ways, but I, as you get older and stay in the business a little longer, become wiser, you realize it's important to have different streams of revenue coming your way. Instead of just one source, you wanna have, you know, five, six, seven sources of, of customers coming your direction. And then you are fairly busy most of the time.
2: Before your hair starts turning this color. Silver fox silver. There you go. <laughs> Okay, them, I'm going to buy a house this year. I really hope the housing market isn't too high in the housing market. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, true. It's too too much for you guys or what? You, you know, I, I can't figure it out sometimes.
0: It, yeah. It's um, Bobby Brown and the one girl when they were Whitney super. Houston. And,
1: Whitney. Yeah, Whitney we Houston. We both particularly had crushes on her. We just didn't want to admit it.
2: Oh my God! That when she's sang that national anthem at the Super Bowl,
1: I'm serious. Makes your hair stand on end. She she's amazing. I Unreal. I I so wish there was somebody like that still around that could sing that. I mean that that was beautiful. Yeah, very it's impressive.
2: I should just put that one on rewind every time.
1: Well, and it's sad too. You know, it goes to show. I mean, a lot of those great you know celebrities over the years they they die young and they. They live a lifestyle we can't even comprehend. And then they, you know, chemicals and drugs, and they try to relax or whatever, and they die from it. And it's like, God, yeah. it's just horrible. It's it's sad, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How much is this? 149 30. I've got 50p. Fuck you, bastard. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. Welcome back to 2008. Um... <coughs> yeah. Yeah, this
2: is what I'm gonna pay, and that's it. That's funny. Yeah. Realtors, I don't know. They, uh, let's just hope some uh some of these realtors save some of their money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, but expenses now are just craziness. It uh, is. It was crazy. Uh how yeah. things have gone up. But for sure. That I, usually, how, that. how do
1: you control that? I mean, that's the thing, is it's like you just unfortunately the, the expenses within being in the business keep going up and you just pass that through. I mean, you know, even some of our lead systems for no reason, all of a sudden out of the blue, just raise their prices 20%. And you're like, for, for what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, well, Oh baby. So if you're trying to live or trying to move, you may have noticed that housing prices have risen by 20% in the last year. Rents are up around 12% nationally and way higher in certain areas now this is happening in part because companies are buying up all the housing to turn them into rentals because you will own nothing and be happy two ventures backed by goldman sachs just bought an entire community in florida for 75 million dollars in places like phoenix and jacksonville investors are buying up starter homes houses
2: tricon and other investors are buying in places like jacksonville are what might be called starter homes Usually selling for about $300,000. When one of those comes on the market, investors are ready with
0: all cash offers. Investors never look at the home. Never. They don't even look at the they home. They never look at it.
2: That, plus the fact that investors often waive inspections, puts would be first time home buyers at a serious
1: disadvantage. Home owners.
2: Well. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily true. Hey,
0: I thought that was, um, I mixed that one up for the social media reacts. That's not really a funny meme.
1: It's still, so, it's still so interesting. You know,
2: it's reality. Yeah,
1: that, yep. I mean,
2: it, it is reality. There's a lot of those places are happening. I don't know how much, so much, I mean, around Minnesota there is, but there's a, there's some different groups that are, that are buying things and then they're, Basically, rent back um, with rent-to-own type things for people. Um, what's it called? We we've had a couple of those lately. Um, what's that? What's that company that does that? Uh, Home Partners. And, yeah. Um, you know, and they buy stuff, but they they require an eight-day inspection on it. But they are they're definitely paying cash. They're not afraid to to pay for it, and the inspections are usually somewhat interesting. I
1: haven't haven't seen the numbers for last month, but I know the month before that it was like 26% of the houses in the Twin Cities were sold cash, and and it was very high. And so that that goes back to where are people coming up with the cash? You know, who is this? Are they? You know, I don't know what the percentage of investors were, but historically the investor market with the Twin Cities was is pretty low. It's, you know that three to five percent range back in 2000 and what was it nine? I think you and I were doing our radio show and we Warren Buffett was buying between 12 and 14% of the houses monthly in the Twin Cities. They had that H2 company, um, you know, do you remember that, Chris? Yep. Yep, and they were just buying up everything. They, and it was all based on school district and they bought all these properties, they'd hold them as rentals. Um, and then they, um, which, hey, they, they, they timed it perfectly. What's crazy though, is that they're still buying houses. So let me ask you a quick question. If you're sitting on the sidelines, but investors and in stock market and Wall Street and those guys are all in there buying these houses still because they see upside appreciation and they see a demand for rentals. What are we waiting for? I mean, honestly, I mean, rates are still fantastic. Um, you know, housing they still project it to continue to climb, right? So anyway, hey, what, I did. what if
2: what if you would have followed Zillow and bought all those houses and lost billions of dollars?
1: Well, they were they were fools. I mean, they were they were paying. <laughs> you know, I, I'm being honest with you. They they hire the most inexperienced agents in the industry to go out there and represent them. And they they just missed the mark by millions of dollars. They were buying wrong. And so in theory, you hear real estate agents that we there were times where we would say, Oh, you know, the Zillow offer is gonna be so low. They right. weren't. They were coming in at full retail. And it's like because they wanted the inventory. So they were buying market share by coming in at full retail and making it and for a while. There was a small window where you would have heard me whisper, it's a good deal, take it. And yeah. then, and then it switched and then they're gone. And then all these families that had guarantees that are now all of a sudden gone again, you know, got rid of them. Yep. Right.
0: Yep. Hi guys. We're going to do a little therapy session for, for you too. I think the real estate agents don't really get much love and you guys just need to talk about your highs and your lows. So my first thing is, cause you just reminded me, Andy, what happened to the, the Zillow meeting? The guy you met in, I think was at Vegas. How did that end up? weird
1: nothing um started getting emails asked me about you know do you want to be part of our committee to help us do whatever and then all of a sudden ghost me hmm. he probably looked me up he probably watches his podcast and realizes what a jerk i am to zillow and then he <laughs>
0: <laughs> how did it make you feel andy
1: <laughs> i i try not to get like the, the word angry um uh no but i i don't i just what i what i really struggle with is the perception that they give the marketplace and and we're at an a vow to be honest and open and completely transparent and clear what our mission and what our goal is to helping with people and i just think this there's this big perception that some of these big corporate companies are out for their best interests and it's just they should have a warning label just like a pack of cigarettes saying hey these guys can hurt you and they're they're following the rules but they can hurt you and, 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 but nobody was like, Oh, they'll never hurt you. They're a big company there. And, and it's like, I just can't believe how many people got brainwashed into, or think about this, you go on Zillow and you book an appointment. Who do you think is going to show up the most experienced agent with the most, you know, in the area or whoever's available, who's willing to pay for leads because they got nothing else going on. Guess what? The second. And so you're getting somebody that has nothing going on that has to pay for leads to show up at that meeting. Yeah. And, and it just, it, I just I think that should be a warning that hey by the way you're, yes you're opening the door and you're looking for no experience but th- there should be a contract in play because that agent that's booking that showing is saying that they have you under contract they're lying they don't have you under contract because they wouldn't let them show the house if they didn't you know what I mean yeah. so in the driveway you're hey my name's Bill I'm the I'm the Zillow guy and you don't have any contract it, anyway I think it, I think it cheapens our industry and makes it very unprofessional. And there needs to be some rules and regulations put on those people.
2: Anything
1: else? Hey, just, Hey, I'm, I'm booking a Zillow showing. I do not have this client under contract. I'm hoping to earn them as a client during the showing. You might see some people saying, then that's okay. We don't want you to show it. We don't want to use your, we don't want you to inconvenience us to create a lead for you. I mean, you're, you're making us leave our house prepared for sale, just so that you can meet a customer to try to pick them up as a buyer at our, at our expense. No, thanks. Or then pay the homeowner 500 bucks to show the house. I think Zillow, you might as well pay the homeowner too.
2: I think you uh, don't need to wonder why Andy, why Zillow did call you back.
1: (laughs) I I don't. (laughs) Uh, They they ghosted me, man. I'm like, I don't blame them, but hey, I was willing to tell them my truth because what I'm telling them isn't a bad thing. If you really take it and you could say, hey, on Zillow, do you want to go with the best agent in the area or do you want to go with whoever's available? Yeah. legit question. At least a consumer wouldn't be misled.
2: I'll tell you, if, if we're kind of going into this whole real estate therapy, I think the biggest thing that uh, agents have problems with that I hear over and over and over again is when they lose, lose uh, a competition, meaning that they lose out to get a listing or they yeah. lose a, a buyer representation opportunity. Not necessarily that they lost on an offer because they think they're still going to have that client, but how do how do you react with that, Andy? When you go into a listing appointment and you think you did really good, they pick somebody else.
1: Well, it, it goes to show me that you know I actually use that as an opportunity to learn. And and I've I've had where this spring I was very frustrated because I had a lot. I normally am very meet with somebody and we know what we're doing when we leave the appointment. You know, the people either are like, you know what, hey, you're a good fit, let's do this, or they're like, yeah, we got to interview one more person tomorrow. And then when they say that, for some reason, there was a connection there. So then, as a real estate agent, you have to sit back and say, okay, was I doing more talking than listening? Did I did I did I not ask them what they really were looking for? And then I'm out there just telling them how important I am and what a big shot realtor I am, blah blah blah. Or were you out there saying, hey, what what are your biggest concerns, you know, about selling your house right now? And and let me see if I'm a good fit to help you get through those hurdles, you know? And and I think that there's opportunities there for all of us as real estate agents to learn. In a market where, you, when you don't get the listening, um, and I wish people would spend the time to call you back, they won't. But you know, odds are you were not connecting with them, you were not listening to them, or you did not tell them something they were looking for. So that being like my listing presentation is this thick, I go through about six pages on it, but it, selectively they're different at each appointment based on what the customer's telling me.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's just nice to leave it there so they can pick what they want to look at instead. Yeah, but you have, yeah, you have, yeah, you definitely have to listen. Um, but it is, it's a, it's a hit to your ego when you do lose uh, to someone, or they don't choose you. And you know, I, I think usually when that's happened to me, it's been more about preparation, and and coming prepared versus um, just showing up. And yeah. so that's one big thing for me is I don't just assume I'm going to get it. Uh, you yeah. got to prepare every time like it's your first one that you're getting. Right.
1: No, and I, and I mean, some people do look at real estate agents as commodities. So you do have to be, ask them, just say, hey, what, what am I doing for you? You know, cause I'm like, if you're looking for the cheapest do for sale by owner, sell it yourself. You know, I mean, you, you can hire somebody, you can hire, they can do the paperwork for you. They can do whatever you could say, thousands of dollars. But what does an agent bring to the table? And, and what do you value in that, what they're bringing? Cause that's the key thing because if now we can negotiate, put you in the right, cross all the T's, dot the I's, get more demand on your property. Because that's really the key thing, is that even in a high demand market, it doesn't mean you're going to get a good offer. Because you know, in a high demand market, if you do the proper marketing, you get more people interested and you make sure that they like more things about the house because you do a better job with making sure people know the benefits of that property, right? Um, maybe it's the view, maybe it's the school district, maybe it's this. And also you go, oh My God, there's five things that we're looking for that this house, you know, all five boxes are checked. And they come in with an offer, but now you have competition. And then they make a better offer than they normally would or with better terms. And all of a sudden, you get a better offer, better terms, you know, a better buyer that's a solid buyer. Maybe they give you non-refundable earnest money. Maybe they, You know, all these things that, you know, we as agents see as negotiating things. Some people just look at what is your commission and what is it going to sell for? And those are two of probably 10 things you need to focus on when you're hiring a listing agent to sell your house.
2: One of the first things I ask is what, what are you looking for in an agent? I mean, it's just, it's real simple, you know? And if it's, hey, I just wanted the cheapest person to be able to do it. Well, maybe I'm not your not, not your guy. And here's some options that you can do. But that's uh, a very, it's a very important question. And it's that, that, that thick book that you bring, that book doesn't matter if we don't know what they want. And so by asking them right, right up front and then be able to explain it, because most agents don't, it's, it's like they come in and this is what I think you need. No, it's not. It's what they want. And then you have to adapt right. to what they
1: want. Well, you're there for a reason. Either they're, you know, like I said, the last um, I, I, different ways people meet you or whatever, and they find you online and you go out to the house. You don't really have a connection with them. You don't spend the time to interview them up front. And then you get there and all they're trying to do is have you as a real estate agent validate the offer they got from a guaranteed offer that is this really a good deal? And you're out there doing it for free. And a lot of agents get really you know, upset about that. And it's like, if you would to ask them upfront, like, hey, what are you doing or how are you doing it? Are you looking for a guaranteed offer? Are you looking to traditionally list it? Are you planning on listing in the next 30 to 60 days? Because if you're not, there's no reason for me to come out. I can tell you right over the phone, your house is worth a range of this. And when we get to the point of where we're ready to list, let's get together and pinpoint that. And I'll tell you about my marketing that's designed for today's ears. It's different. I mean, it changed. If you haven't listed a house in two weeks, you don't know what's going on in the marketplace. But I listed one two years ago. You don't know what's going on in the marketplace compared to now. And so, anyway, that's my
2: because it changes. Another thing. When Nick was bringing up this topic, I was thinking about the whole idea of time and what us agents don't get a lot of or that we're always on someone else's clock so how do you i mean i know how i dealt with that from an early age um in this industry but it it literally took me probably seven years to get to that point of of knowing that my time was valuable and that we didn't have to work real estate 24 hours a day thinking that's what everyone wants so what do you what do you see on that, Andy? And how did you handle that from a, a timing? Well, you know, missing not missing your kids stuff and and yeah, trying to live live in the moment, I guess.
1: Be be a, be a, the super dad and a, and an agent at the same time is very challenging. I think it, it's a combination of things. It's having a family that understands, you know, how you earn a living. You know, just like some kids, I mean, their mom and dad work on a production line, the production lines from nine to five, they have a game at 430 in the afternoon, they can't leave their job, you know? So it's like, sometimes there are limitations within that, you know, parameter of what, how you make your living. On the other hand, um, maybe we select a league that's available on the middle of the week instead of only on weekends, because there are baseball leagues, like for example, that only play weekends. There are some that play during the week. So it's like, you can also kind of, you know, design your, your, um, extracurricular activities around your career. But on the other side, I'd say this, um, once you get established, the, the best thing for someone to do that's in this business is to bring on either a partner or an assistant or um, you know, a licensed agent that can work on your team so that when you have that appointment on Tuesday night at six o'clock for baseball, um, you don't miss it. And you say, well, if you can't work around that, you know, my partner, uh, Chris is gonna come out and you'll meet with Chris and then why don't we review everything the next day and, and some people are okay with that. they really they really feel like okay, service is still being met and you know we're still meeting with a professional and we're not losing that opportunity and it hits our window of time. Um, I've had I've had some people where they can only meet on a Sunday afternoon because of the way you know they've got their whole week booked and they go to church in the Sunday and then they in the afternoons you only and I'm like, wow, they've got their hands tied with with schedules. And so I say, well, let me do this. So knowing that someone's that busy, I'm the kind of guy that'll say, well, let me bring over some treats. You know, you want me to bring over some ice cream or you want me to bring over some coffees? You know, if this is your only day off and you're gonna fill it with me, I want to make sure it's a good day for you, my friend. And, you know, and so I think there's there's a way to gracefully walk around schedules and and the parameters of life. And then and then there are times where you say, Hey, when you have children, you may have a limited income. You may only be able to give 40 hours a week instead of 80. I mean, I I look at some of these guys that are in the business and gals that are in the business giving 80 hours, 60 hours a week. They're making crazy money, but that's all they know how to do. You know, they don't know how to throttle it back. They don't know how to slow down. They only know how to stay busy, busy, and they work themselves pretty much to death. I mean, it's to the point of where I think most real estate agents don't know how to quit. But
2: I think being being in a commission type business, too, I think it's inherently thought that hey if i don't grab this deal i might not get another one correct and so i think that's where you can kind of get yourself caught up in the oh i better take it oh i better do it Oh, will i'll miss this game I'll, I'll all right i can eat dinner later oh we were going to go out to eat forget that we'll just eat ahead of time and i
1: need this to do this to make it work
2: yeah yeah Yeah. It, it's tough say-
1: man i tell you i uh, i empathize with the younger or the newer i shouldn't say younger it's not always younger um, some of the newer agents to the business when they're trying to get started, and then you know, and then there's some people that don't compromise and they don't make it, and and so there is a real fine line there, you guys. I mean, it's it's a I don't think you have to give up your family's quality of life to get a quality real estate career, but you do have to design your lifestyle around being retail. And if you're not available evenings and weekends, or can make yourself available, you're not gonna. I hate to say it, you're probably not gonna make it unless you specialize in only selling houses to people that do night shifts. And so you're doing it during the day, like regular business hours. And then they're after work in the evenings when you're home with your family.
2: Yeah, it's just like I'm sure there's
1: somebody out there listening that does. You know?
2: Yeah, it's like anything you have. to, I mean, to build your business, you kind of got to go when people want you to go. And then as you as you build it, you can do those things. Like Andy said, hire someone else to be able to handle some of those showings so you can get away and maybe go on a trip or, or go to your kids activity.
1: So. Well, you know, it's like, it's like, I, I jokingly say this because I know you're made fun of me, but the Dairy Queen that up near our cabin, and they don't, they, they say they don't have employees and they'll shut down at eight o'clock. And it's like, there, there's a line of people down the street. Now you're open at noon and there's nobody in your restaurant and there's nobody there. You you should, they, that is a business model where you could easily buy an unprofitable business like that and say, listen, we don't even open until four in the afternoon because that's when people want ice cream. And we're going to stay open until midnight. And they would be packed till midnight. You know what I mean? And if people keep coming and you can stay up until one, stay up until one. I mean, who cares? Your your business is designed to cater a product to people. If the people want it, what's the, you know, I don't know. I always always get upset about that. Like, I feel like you're in a socialist world where, well, we're just shutting down at eight because that's when we want to shut down. And I've owned this business. I don't care if I don't make profit. And It's like, it just, it actually gets people like me mad at you that you're not available when I want you available. <laughs> like if I'm you, playing just, mini golf, you just said you the opposite of dinner, what we've been talking you about you go out just, for dinner you play a little mini golf and then you say hey you know what on the way home let's grab an ice cream cone it's 8 15 and they're closed are you kidding me
2: <laughs> hey they want they want to live their life maybe they don't want to be past eight o'clock
1: well think about the same thing somebody works all week they're excited they just got a promotion they want to go out looking at houses on a saturday and you're not available it's the same thing, exact same thing. They get mad at you to the point of where they're like, well, if you're not available, I'll go to somebody else. And that's mm-hmm. that's why agents, that exact emotion that triggers, even for the ice cream cone or the agent, whatever, that people are, some people are reasonable, but most people don't care. It's like, if you're not going to be available mm-hmm. when I need you, I'll go somebody else that is.
2: You're, you're jealous of the ice cream person because they quit at eight and go do the, what they want. And you're uh, out no, showing I, houses on Saturdays.
1: I now See? boycott their business and I go across town, drive five miles out of my way to get what I want.
2: <laughs> see so you go get another agent go get another yeah. realtor
1: but like 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 every in the truck with me says just don't have a heart attack getting an ice cream buddy just calm yeah. down
0: <laughs> you're not likes, open. you're dead to me he, he likes his ice cream this is good
1: well who doesn't i think
0: you guys needed that that was a good little chat you guys had was, uh, Everybody's
1: supposed to help us that got me all wound up and i'm gonna
0: go <laughs> hey Eddie, do you want to do a quick commercial here because i forgot to do those I don't have anything. Anything.
1: i'm good I'm, okay. I'm wound up.
2: Hey, dude, actually, I would love to hear you kind of on the spot, do a quick commercial okay. about that flip home that you're talking about.
1: Hey, okay. Um, shoot. Hang on. Let me get the address for you. Um, the uh, Are you looking for an opportunity to make money in real estate? I'll tell you what. I have a unique opportunity at 2173. It's coming soon. Uh, Oh, I better not give the address. It's early. It's not pre-list yet. Um, We have the property under contract. We're actually listing it. Perfect opportunity for you. If you're looking to get into a property at a low cost and have equity available, the neighborhood will support adding additions, putting on windows. We have this opportunity coming. It is technically a two bedroom, but it lives as a three, um, you know, and uh, there's plenty of opportunity to build a garage and best of all guys, it's a double lot. So this double lot, just south of Beaver Lake over in St. Paul, in a beautiful, quiet little neighborhood. And um, anyway, I uh, brand new boiler, by the way, too. $12,000. I didn't realize boilers are that expensive. $12,000 boiler um, uh, available very soon. It'll be next week. We'll have it on the market. So stay tuned. Um, and uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, Andy at or give us a call and we'll get you out there as soon as we get it listed. Um, and then we can, uh, you know, see if that's a good fit for you. Wow, 165 by the way show me show yeah. me anything that doesn't have wheels on it that's 165
2: that boiler was almost 10% of the whole value of the
1: home it and and it works fantastic it's old radiator heat and it's fantastic it
0: wow. gives me an idea we should do more of those little segments like doing a market analysis to a client or pitching to a client that'd be kind of cool i love doing improv stuff but
1: Awesome. Hey, everyone, make sure to give us a like,
0: Uh, review us on iTunes or Spotify, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We post three digestible clips on Facebook and YouTube. Send us in your questions and have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. Bye.